Uncovering the truth and exposing ignorance. It's science, stupid. With your hosts, Meryl and Scott. One of my pet peeves is people wasting their money on supplements. I have some pretty strong thoughts about it. I'm going to start off with the word ashwagandha. (laughs) (laughs) Because I really like to say it. It's actually a plant and it's supposed to de-stress and and what have you. You can buy them on Amazon, right? There's a lot of interesting supplements out there that we can use supposedly for a number of different things. So supplements are all regulated as food and they're all covered under something called the Dietary Supplement Act of 1994. Orrin Hatch and some other guy did it way back then. And and essentially what they did was they put laws in place to make sure that vitamins and supplements were available as food and regulated as food. But in order to make whatever claims that they make, they can they can say stuff, but they always have to follow it with a little asterisk, and it always has to say things like, these statements have not been evaluated by the FDA, or this product is not intended to treat, diagnose, blah, 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 any disease, and so on and so forth. So you've all seen it, or maybe it's really hard for you to see if you're like me, it, way at the bottom of the of the, the ad or on TV, it's probably completely illegible, which is ridiculous considering how big TVs are nowadays. So let me get this straight, okay? So supplements and drugs are regulated by the FDA, but they're under a different set of rules. Is that, is that what you're saying? That's absolutely correct. FDA has different rules for different types of products. Like over-the-counter drugs have different regulations from the prescription drugs, for instance. And foods have yet another set of rules that they get to follow, essentially intended to ensure your safety. But the drug regulations are very specific about, well, this will cure something or this will treat something. And those things have to be backed up with scientific evidence. So that's actually, it seems to me, the big difference that if a drug is approved by the FDA, it goes through as you have worked on for your whole career, basically. I mean, it's years and years and years of of testing and clinical trials and everything so that when they make a statement about the drug, actually, that's a true statement. But uh, a supplement, you can say what you want as long as you put that disclaimer at the bottom. Many supplements will say that this has clinical evidence or... Um, you know, studies have shown. And the truth is that 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 may be true. They may have done a study. Um, Usually the studies aren't published or if they're published, they're not in a journal, like a science journal. They're not peer reviewed. They're not exposed to the same sort of scrutiny as another study might be. And those studies may be very limited. Like you say, it could be a small number of people and some of those things are very subjective. I mean, if you're talking about things like, were you less stressed? Did you fall asleep faster? Things like that. Those are very subjective. And I'm not real sure how well you'd be able to evaluate things of that nature. Versus a drug that is specific to, you know, one thing you're working on right now is you're working on uh, cancer drugs. So that a drug would be you know, formulated and tested and whatever, and eventually approved to treat a certain form of cancer. And those clinical studies need to show that a patient with that particular type of cancer survives longer 
went on that treatment versus either no treatment or perhaps a, a treatment that's already available. You know, you actually have to show statistically that people really are helped versus a supplement, which is, well, yeah, it usually can't hurt is, 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 is what I usually come up with. But the can't hurt is actually not true because, you know, I know when you go to a doctor's appointment, they have you list all the medications that you're taking. And also if you're taking any supplements, because supplements can actually react to medications. Absolutely. There's a number of things and 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 it's not limited to supplements. Even food can have interactions with certain drugs. There was, you know, some talk about, you know, eating grapefruit and and taking drugs and maybe that would stop the uptake of that drug. One of the things that they talk about is St. John's wort and that's supposed to be helpful with regard to mental state, I'll call it, but it does interact with some other like antidepressants and things like that. So it's something that you do need to be very cognizant of. You know, people always talk about things being all natural and, you know, let's be honest, poison ivy is all natural, but (laughs) you don't necessarily... My favorite thing. (laughs) You don't necessarily get a benefit from taking it. And it's certainly not harmless. Natural does not equal harmless. Rattlesnake venom, completely natural, but... (laughs) Not harmless. Some of the issues with, a say, a supplement versus, or even an herb like marijuana, the potency and the interactions are, are not as well known, and it's a little harder to, to figure out, well, what's my dose of marijuana? I don't know. Until what's, you can't function well, or you're hungry. Right. <laughs> and when a drug goes out there, it's it's not only is it tested for safety and efficacy, but there's there's dose ranging studies. People check to make sure that you are getting the appropriate amount of drug per day or per week or however you're being dosed. It's it's these things are are all again studied meticulously versus in a supplement. So I do want to turn to that because of course some of the stuff costs a lot of money. And if it's not regulated, how can you be sure that just because somebody can print a label that, um, you know, there's 5% and I'm just making that up 5% of the ashwagandha. Cause I like to say it, like, how can you be sure? Because they don't have to conform to the same regulations as a drug company getting a drug on the market. So you could be buying like grass clippings and paying $25. <laughs> and, um, you know, while it's great for the people who are manufacturing it, uh, not so great for you, A, because you're not getting any effect, but B, it's like, you know, stealing. Right. We were doing a little homework and we were looking at some supplements that folks could take that are alleged to prevent or shorten the duration of colds and flu. And one of those I was interested just to look. And and one of the things that they do have to do, according to the regulations, is list the ingredients. That's partly because if you're allergic to an ingredient, you need to know that. Same thing as when they label, say, another food. I may say that this was processed in a plant that has tree nuts, for instance, or, or, or things like that. Those are safety concerns. So for... This particular supplement, well, I went on the on the website and I, I was a little surprised to find out that apparently they can change the formulation of this depending on their mood, which I, I thought was a little interesting. But 
by and large, this particular supplement I was looking at had a number of vitamins and minerals, and then it had some herbal supplements and, and things along those lines. So the vitamins and the minerals, because they are well characterized and there's a lot known about them, there's a good amount of evidence that you know exactly how much of the vitamin or mineral you're getting. There's something called the you know U.S. recommended dosage. The amount, and you'll see it on a multivitamin all the time, that the amount of, say, vitamin C in a multivitamin, you know that it's this amount of your minimum daily requirement. Those things are pretty well characterized. They're based on a particular body type, so keep in mind that you may need more or less, depending on if you're a small person or a large person, versus the herbals or even some of the amino acids. They may know what they are, but they don't know exactly, but particularly herbals. Whatever is in ashwagandha, is that what it was? Yep, um, that was it. <laughs> so maybe it's a good year for ashwagandha. Maybe it's not a good year. And there's really no good way to quantify that. Another commercial that I see all the time is about this memory care thing that I guess the main ingredient is jellyfish. <laughs> and I, I, I was under the assumption, and, and please don't be offended, jellyfish. I don't think they have brains. So how would that affect your memory? <laughs> True statement. Jellyfish do not have brains. And the protein they're talking about is actually one of the proteins that helps jellyfish glow in the dark. There's actually two proteins that interact and produce this lovely glowing color that this particular kind of jellyfish has. Why it would have any relevance to a human being, um, it's not a human protein. Truthfully, there have been some folks who have looked into inserting the genes for these proteins into things like fish to try and get them to glow in the dark. But that's kind of the most practical application for this particular protein. Which... So it's easier to catch the fish? <laughs> yes, so oh I don't goodness. know. There's, there's another memory enhancer out there that lists five different ways that it helps your brain. You know, there's memory and there's this and there's that. And again, I defy you to show me how you measure these things. Uh, I, I know even in my past, we, we had uh, a study where we were looking at a particular drug that was um, to address pain. And pain studies, again, are very subjective. How one person perceives pain versus how another person perceives pain is, is very, very difficult. And you can't ethically put people in pain to measure these drugs. It, <laughs> it, it would be a shortcut, but it's not, it's not ethically appropriate. So you'd have to come up with these very broad studies where, say, a person has a particular dental operation and then they would measure or they would guesstimate, you know, a scale of one to 10, how's your pain based on your personal experience? You know, someone, for instance, who has had been through childbirth, for instance, I bet you they're... That's a 20. Yeah, they're, they're, they're tens of way up there. So they may come in with a broken bone and say, yeah, six tops. And again, pain is very poorly remembered, thank goodness. It's not something that we tend to to hold on to. You, you don't remember, oh, that's the worst pain I ever had. I mean, you may kind of remember, yeah, that was really bad, but you're not going to be as as detailed. Well, hence somebody having 10 kids. <laughs> yeah, they probably have a pretty good memory. 
All right. We do want to circle back because we're running out of time. So supplements, anything else you want to add? You know, my big thing about this, and this is totally my opinion, is I think most of it is a super waste of money. And I get upset, especially people who you know, may be financially challenged and think for some strange reason that this is going to help them with something. And all it's helping them do is to continue taking money out of their wallets and out of their bank accounts. Right. So I like to talk a little bit about vitamin C, which again, we were having a conversation with somebody about supplements earlier today and about these um, flu and cold decreasing type medications. And you know, he was talking about, well, vitamin C, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, well, yeah, there is vitamin C in this particular product, um, a couple of the products actually. And vitamin C has a long and colorful history. I, I get to talk about Linus Pauling now, who just so you know, uh, was a not only a Nobel Prize winner, but he actually won Nobel Prize twice. So he wasn't stupid. Not like this show. Not like this show. So Linus Pauling was an advocate for vitamin C and a big believer that it would lessen the severity or uh, lengthen the survival for cancer patients. There, He was also very interested in vitamin C in colds and flus and things like that. He actually personally took three grams, which is way more than your minimum recommended dosage, which for vitamin C is fine because you can't, actually retain vitamin C, you essentially, it's a diuretic, so you excrete it fairly quickly. You can't overdose on it. You can't really hurt yourself. But the studies that were done, and the studies back when he was alive, um, <laughs> there's, there's, a, there's a little uh, spoiler alert for you. So the studies that were done back then, some of them seemed to indicate that there may be a benefit, but most of those studies at this point have really been disproved. Now, Linus Pauling, smart guy, did continue to take his three grams of vitamin C per day until he passed away at the ripe old age of 93, but he did pass away of prostate cancer, so there's something to be said for that too. Any final words on um, supplements, the Dietary Act of 1994, ashwagandha, anything else that you'd like to add? Most of your vitamins can be acquired in a normal, healthy, balanced diet. Um, same goes for minerals. I don't know that I would spend a lot of money on any particular supplements. It seems to be incredibly expensive. And if you really needed to take, say, a multivitamin because you just thought it was a, a good idea, you should probably look at a multivitamin. You should probably look at probably the cheapest generic multivitamin on the shelf in the store because essentially, as they are regulated as foods, they are pretty much all the same. Kindly like and share. And we'll see you next time for another episode of It's Science, Stupid. <laughs>